Philanthropy is all about giving to causes that matter to you the most, and by doing so, making a difference in the lives of others. But is this an activity that is reserved just for the super wealthy, or is it possible for the average person to become a philanthropist? What cause tugs at your heart that you wish you could provide funding for? Is there a way, right now, to live your dream with purpose? These are the glaring questions this podcast will explore as we meet everyday people who are stepping up to begin living their philanthropic lifestyle. We'll hear about their cause, why it's important to them, as well as their vision for the future. So let's get inspired, motivated, and learn how we can step into the dream of living our best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. My guest on today's show is Mr. Tarek Hodge. Tarek is a real estate investor, a dad, a basketball player, a professional ballroom dancer, an arena football wide receiver, and lover and follower of Jesus Christ. He currently resides in Houston, Texas. Welcome to the show, Tarek. Hey, Nancy. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate your being here. So that's an impressive bio, especially for someone so young. Do you mind if I tell your age? No, not at all. Go ahead. Folks, he is 27 years old. So, Tarek, let me ask you, who would you say had the biggest influence on your life when you were growing up? Uh, so, when I was growing up, I, I spent a lot of time in front of the TV. So, a lot of my influence comes from watching reality TV shows. Right. And one of my favorite characters, uh, and one of my favorite shows is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So, one of my favorite characters and who I draw a lot of my inspiration from was Will Smith and that character. He Why played, is that? Uh, mostly because of you know him portraying this uh, basketball player uh, savant in a prep school that really doesn't fit who he was at the time, but he ultimately grew into this person who could mold into any environment, and so that's what I, I took from that, and so I just started wanting to always be that chameleon, always be the person that no matter where in the world you drop me, I could adapt to my environment and be used as a tool uh, for God. Oh, that's amazing. So now sports is a big part of your life too. And not just one sport either, basketball, football, and ballroom dancing. I'm guessing that sport as well, right? Right. Uh, I never in a million years would have ever thought that I would be able to add uh, professional ballroom dancing to my resume, but it, it's so rewarding. And once I found ballroom dancing, it was at a point in my career where basketball really wasn't taking off to where I wanted to go. And I still wanted to do something that was competitive, that was fulfilling. And I got a chance of a lifetime to be a part of a, a ballroom dance studio that literally had some of the top dancers in the entire world, currently still to this day, uh, teaching there. And so I was able to just uh, take in all types of knowledge and, and about gracefulness and uh, about movement. And, you know, being in that arena, in that field, it taught me uh, that a lot of, uh, there's two types of people in the dance world. And you can go and ask any dance instructor, any dance owner, that there's, two types of, well, three types of people. One type of person, they're a good dancer, they're a phenomenal dancer, but they're not really a great teacher. And then you have the people who are their great teachers, but they're really not the best dancers. And then you have those people that can do both. Well, 
I was having praises be sung to me from uh, our ownership and, and our coaches that I was bridging the gap between both of those variables uh, throughout my professional career. And that's one of the reasons why we had so much success. Oh, that's amazing. So now ballroom dancing is very specific, specific movements as opposed to like football when you just kind of go for it and hope that everything works out the way you plan it. But with ballroom dancing, there's, there's very specific moves and that takes a lot of discipline and practice to master them. Is that a correct assessment? It takes hours of practice. So yes, Nancy, that is, a, that is a definitely a correct assessment. When talking about professional dancing, I was in the, in the impression that, you know, all you do is show up to work and do a couple of dance moves and bada bing, bada boom, you have a routine. And that is absolutely not what goes on behind the scenes. I, I, since I've been in the world of ballroom dancing and also I've been in the world of basketball and professional sports um, and then also now in business, I still to this day can't find anyone who has mirrored the embodiment of hard work like a ballroom dancer that I've known other than anybody else. Uh, you know, people can say that it's a, what some people would consider a mamba mentality. Uh, it's almost embedded in every ballroom dancer to just be as ruthless and as cutthroat with training. And they are just the best dancers. And not only that, being and, and being able to go through that discipline has given me such an advantage against my opponents on any other uh, platform or arena that I, that I face because I was able to go through that part of my uh, that part of my journey. Yeah. So let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about your faith because that's something that's very important to you. How has that influenced and impacted the choices you've made? It's impacted every choice that I've made, Nancy. Being able, being a man of faith and uh, you know, now that I think about it, I can go and, and really truly see the first time I gave my life to Christ. Not because, you know, my parents told me to or not because, you know, friends from school were doing it, but because I truly wanted a relationship with Christ. And man, that was just such a beautiful and heavenly thing. And, you know, when I was 16 years old, going through that, um, that part of my journey, knowing that my soul now has a destination after this life and all the choices that I make leading up to uh, that decision or where my soul goes determines that. And then I started realizing, man, my choices matter. They matter tremendously, not just to me. They, my choices matter to the people who are connected to me. And so that's when I was just like, you know what, God, I can't make a move without you. And I want to make sure that if I'm making this move, that I'm not going anywhere that you haven't destined me to go. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me, how did you become and get started as a real estate investor? Because that's intriguing for someone so young. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not... You, that's not the first time I've heard that, Nancy. <laughs> a lot of people who are real estate investors, we go to seminars and we go to shows and, you know, we're in crowds and we're almost 90% of the time, the youngest people in the room. <laughs> and so we're in definitely an arena to where age kind of separates us with the masses of our, of our field. And so how I found real estate was I was literally staring down a barrel and just like, you know what, there's so much more month left than money. And I don't know 
how we're going to make ends meet, but God, I need you to do something. I need you to, to put something in my way that can give me some type of hope again that I can get out of this. And I just started scrolling on social media and I saw a man in a Lamborghini in front of a Chase bank holding up checks of 57,000, 7,000, 10,000. And I was like, you know what? That is crazy. I want I would love the opportunity to be in that arena, to be in that field. And he said that you can do it without having any real estate experience, having any real estate uh, uh, license. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me check this out. Long story short, I ended up paying this guy to be my mentor. He showed me everything that I needed to know about real estate. And then he, you know, he challenged me to go out there and see if I can and, and do it, see if I can go get a deal. Well, we ended up doing a deal and I fell in love with real estate. <laughs> Just the power of being able to uh, help people either get, keep, or uh, flip their investment properties or any property or even their most valuable asset. I feel, I find so much joy and fulfillment in doing. So what struggles did you have starting out as a real estate investor? Uh, definitely finding money. Resources in real estate aren't easy to come by if you aren't uh, necessarily qualified. And since 65 to 80% of the people aren't qualified to do real estate as far as a credit base and, and a, a, a financial base, people want to know that once they give you money that you're going to be able to make the payment. So they, they require a lot of money just in your savings account in your, what they would call reserves. And so that was a big problem for us because starting out, we, had, we hadn't had any reserve. We were just getting our feet and getting the ground rolling with real estate. How are we gonna be able to stack up reserves? And so it was finding money and, and finding the resource of a money pool was definitely the hardest part, but I didn't see it as an impossible challenge. It was just a, a little bit of a roadblock to find your way around. Right. Okay, so let's talk about your cause, real estate investing, a passion for teaching anyone that where they have been isn't where they have to stay. Your title speaks to your desire to help people move ahead in their life. So tell me about a time when that desire became your passion. It recently became my passion, uh, Nancy. Going forward, I'm sorry, not going forward. Um, Previously in my life, it was truly always about me. I was the type of person that I was like, okay, what can I do right now to help Tarek? And throughout all of those choices and decisions, I started to realize that there was no fulfillment in, in those choices. And then recently, as I, I don't know, as it was like almost as swiftly as waking up from one day to the next. Uh, of that's how swiftly the change happened for me, where I understood that in order for me to get what I want, I have to help enough people get what they want. And I'll ultimately be able to get what I want. But you can't do it with the heart of, well, what's in it for me? You truly have to do it from a heart standpoint of, I really truly want to see these people succeed in the highest level that they can. And I really haven't gotten a hundred percent grasp on it yet, but uh, Nancy, it's always about progress and never about perfection. Oh, I, I, I love that. You say that again. I, I said, it's always about progress 
and never about perfection. It's always about progress and never about perfection. That's amazing gold nugget right there, folks. So what are some of the myths around real estate investing? That it is easy. Real estate investing is not easy. It's simple. If it was easy, everybody in the world would have a rental property and be making all these types of bucket loads of money. It's simple. Um, Another myth in real estate is that you need a real estate license in order to invest in real estate. That is a myth. Uh, You do not need a real estate license to invest in real estate. Another myth is that you need a lot of money to invest in real estate. You do not need a lot of money to invest in real estate. Now, if you can get creative and you learn how to use other people's money, then you ultimately can do real estate without using any money, any of your own money, at least. Right. Uh, And all the money that you're using is all borrowed cash. Uh, And then another myth is that, you need to have a perfect credit score in order to do real estate. That's not accurate. If you have some of the other factors in place uh, and then you have a business and an LLC and it's a credible business and you can lend to it and your credit score is only uh, used to give you the price of how much money will cost for you to get, if that makes any sense. Right. Right. Now, who is your course? It's the course that you're putting together. Is that correct? Um, so it's not necessarily a course that I'm putting together. What it is, is a, um, a kind of like a platform kind of like a system, I guess you could say. And what I want to do is I want to make real estate investing so darn easy that anybody who's rolling around with four or five jobs and taking care of all these different people doing all these different things, stretching their resources thin, can go out and find a house and execute a a real estate flip within 60 to 90 days. And then we split the profits at the end. They can decide if they want to do it again, or they can decide to take the knowledge that that I just put all into them, and then they can go and get their own deal and do it after that. That's kind of the the cusp of what we want to do, kind of the shell of it. Mm-hmm. But what it's centered around is centered around being able to literally take our mistakes, take our credibility, take the money we've earned and be able to tie it on to people who want to go out and find good deals. And then we go out and we do deals together. Oh, okay. I got you. So who is your target market? My target market, if you can put uh, if you're over 18 and you have a, a high school diploma okay. and put a mirror in front of your face and you breathe and you can fog up that mirror, that's my target market. Okay. So, so it, it, it pretty much anybody who has an interest. Yeah. Anybody who has an interest. And, and that's the, that's the cool thing about real estate is that, it's not going to go anywhere and it's always going to be here. It's a recession proof uh, industry. And not only that, you're, you're dealing with a, a, an asset that you can leverage against to get more capital and more businesses out of. So if you learn how to leverage it right, you could not have any money in cash, but be sitting on two, three point four five million dollars. Yeah, for sure. Now, you want to show people how to do that. How are you going to find these people? 
So we leverage and we find the people through marketing. Our marketing campaigns are, are pretty extensive and they cost a lot of money to be able to reach these people to let them know, hey guys, there's a resource out here that you can have access to that'll help you get out of the, the rat race, get out of the nine to five, get out of the debt stack and be living in a, a place to where you're able to save money and you're able to help other people whatever, uh, whenever they're going through a crisis. Okay. So what kind of funding do you anticipate you'll need for your cause? Anticipate? Mm, very good question, Nancy. That, that's such a great question. Um, for marketing, for us, they say if you want to make around a million dollars, that you're going to have to do about $200,000 in marketing. So as far as our marketing budget in its entirety, in order to complete what we want to do and pull it off, we're going to need about $200,000 in funding. Okay. Now, why did you choose Up to Give to fund your cause? Now, I chose Up to Give because the platform, one, it seems secure. Without knowing anything about Bitcoin and without knowing anything about uh, cryptocurrency, understanding that the company doesn't own or doesn't touch any of the Bitcoin that it strictly stays between peer to peer really made me understand that this thing is secure. And also I chose that to give because of the volume of uh, cash flow that we need. The only place that you could find something like this is in an avenue of cryptocurrency or in an avenue of philanthropy or either an avenue of just God being able to just drop a, a, a needle right in a haystack and say, hey, Tarek, there it is. And you go out and pull it and there's the opportunity for you. I mean, I can't, I, I get so riled up and I, I maybe sound like I'm bouncing all over the walls right now because inside I am. I <laughs> am so excited about being a part of this up to give cause driven community. Yeah, me too. Now, how familiar were you with Bitcoin before you joined up to give? I wasn't familiar with Bitcoin at all. I, all the only thing that I knew about Bitcoin was that a bunch of people got rich off of it and that a bunch of people lost some money when they didn't buy it. That was the only thing I, I knew about Bitcoin. Yeah. Once I got introduced to up to give, I literally spent about 48 hours just researching cryptocurrency finding out what what is, what is a blockchain, what are confirmations, what are other cryptocurrencies, what is altcoin, what is Ethereum. I just started familiarizing myself with the lingo, with the community, what's a wallet, what's an exchange, how to set it up. And I was like blown away with all of the information that's literally at our fingertips that yeah. we are blind to because the media would rather give us all of this hype news instead of giving us the news that'll help us secure our financial futures. Yeah. And we're not going to ever do that with banks. Never. And the reason for that is. Banks because are run by federal governments. Banks want the banks want to be, con, the banks want to be in control of everything. They want to yeah. make sure that if they, if anything goes, they want to know about it first. Yep. And they don't want anybody else to know about it, which is why JP Morgan and the, the diamond or organization is locking up and getting so much cryptocurrency. 
I believe right now Chase is trying to come out with their own crypto wallet that you can add as a function into their app that will allow you to purchase Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies from Chase. Yeah, the banks are, are a little scared, I think, right now because <laughs> Bitcoin, for an ex as an example, cryptocurrency as a whole is basically like being your own bank. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right, Nancy. Well, Tarek, I want to thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join me today on Cause Talk. It has been a pleasure to speak with you. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh. No, I, I think one thing I would love to share is that if you're listening to this, understand this. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. We got into this thing to create financial stability, not just for one month, not just for one year, but for a lifetime. And so with that is going to come certain sacrifices that you're going to have to make in your journey and only you're going to know when is time to make that sacrifice but whenever you do whenever that time does come and whenever the opportunity knocks please be the type of person to make a decision don't be the type of person that just sits in the breezeway and the door's wide open you either close it and, and leave it or you walk through it be a decision maker because that's what the world needs. We need people who are going to take action on their, on their journey to success. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, folks, if you've been inspired by Tarek's story and his cause and you'd like to contribute, read more about it or join him with your own cause, a link is provided for you in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired by the content that was presented. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link where you'll find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.